So uh, to catch up to speed, if you weren't here last week or if you were, um, I'm not going to pretend like I think that you all listen to everything I say or remember everything I say. So uh, just a reminder, last week, the Lord has uh, called us into a season of intimacy with the Lord and specifically teaching us how to do that through the Psalms. The Psalms are known as the school of prayer and the Lord just having us stay in the Psalms until he says to do something else. So I, I have no idea on how long that's going to be. And so uh, last week we just talked about how the Lord wants uh, even us corporately to engage in, in the Psalms together. And this week we invited you to join us in reading Psalm 138. And as you engage in Psalm 138, to ask one question of one Psalm 38. What does this tell us about the Lord? What does this teach us about God? And then when you see what that thing is, to stop and to praise him for it. And I have been unbelievably uh, grateful to the Lord for his mercy and the way he's been doing incredible things this week. I mean, one week into this, and I'm hearing testimonies of people encountering the Lord, learning how to pray because of the Psalms, having something on their heart to praise the Lord for, in, in conversation, having the Psalm just coming out of their mouth because they've been meditating it all week. I praise the Lord that that's happened in a week. And so we're going to continue that practice in, for, for a while. And... Um, just engaging in a psalm together, asking the Lord, what does it say about God? And the psalm that we're going to do this coming week is Psalm 145. And if you forget what that is, you know, usually on Monday I get like 50 texts. Like, what was that again? What was it, right? You can text me, that's cool. Or you can go on the website or Facebook. It'll say on Facebook and in your program it'll tell you which psalm that we're going to be in this, this week. And so um, I want to spend a little time this morning in Psalm 138 um, because I, like you, have been... Uh, praying through and, and meditating upon Psalm 138, and uh, I just have a few things I want to share. But before we do that, I want to practice together engaging in Psalm 138. And, and I'll tell you, like, this is, we want to model this for you as a lifestyle uh, to do on your own, and even to do this as your family, right? We believe it is your job as parents to be the primary disciple makers of your children. And a lot of times it's like, well, how do I do that? A really easy way to do that is to go through this psalm with them this week and ask, what does this teach us about who God is? You will be amazed at what your kids say. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to read Psalm 138. And I want you to pay attention to the part, to the verse, the line, the word that grabs your attention. So it could be the thing you're like, oh, I have a hard time believing that. Or you don't know why, but it's just stirring in your heart. Or something that's like was jumping off the page. What is stirring in you? And I want you to pay attention and focus on that. And then I'll tell you what to do next. So listen carefully or read along with me in Psalm 138. And this is what it says. I want to pray again real quick. God, apart from your spirit, these are just words that go into our mind. We ask that your spirit would give us revelation of truth in our spirit. God, would you speak as you do to each one of us individually? I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, I don't think I told this tech guy to put this whole thing on the screen, did I? Sorry. <laughs> um, so if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 138. If you don't, you know, get close to someone next to you. Peek uh, over their shoulder. Um, or you can just listen. But I'll give you a minute to turn there. 
If you had any idea what the, uh, the graphics people have to go through at Moran Park, because we're not known for like sticking right to what we tell them we're going to do, they are amazing. So praise the Lord for those guys back there. Oh, can you touch me on my water, by the way? Thanks. Oh, thanks. All right, Psalm 138. We're going to read the whole thing, but pay attention to what sticks out to you, okay? I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple. And I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I want you to take a minute and pay attention to what's that thing the Lord grabbed your attention on. What captured your, your heart or focus. And I want you to look at that verse or that line and ask the question to yourself, what does this say to me about who God is? Go ahead. Here's what I want you to do next. Um, I think a lot of times we struggle with connecting with each other on a deeper level, on a spiritual level. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to simply say what the Lord has been teaching you. So here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to turn to the person kind of around you. It'd be awesome if you don't know the person. Um, turn to a person behind you, in front of you, beside you. And I want you to tell them what, was, what number, what, what, what stood out to you, and what does it tell you about who God is. Okay, and then have them share with you. Go for it.
All right, let's bring it back together. Let's bring it back together. I'm curious, um, I, I'm curious, what was that practice like? What? Right? Well, what was that? What was that like? Was that weird? Easy? What did it do for your attention and focus on the Lord? More? You know that that's why I think the Lord has us focusing so much on simply getting our gaze and our attention back on the Lord. Because isn't it wild how often we make it all about ourselves? I I don't know about you, man. I came in like thinking, what about this or this or this or this and blah, 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 blah. Like, I quickly made it about myself. I came in this morning, like, oh, praise your name, Lord. We're ready for this this morning. I'm ready. And all week he said, had me in chapter, or in verse 8 of Psalm 138, verse 8, I'm like, this is going to be great, stirring in my heart to share, and I get in praying and worshiping this morning, he goes, awesome, verse 6, oh, excuse me, um, and how quickly even in that I started thinking about myself, my own inadequacies, rather than the Lord's supremacy, right, and so we stop, we're like, no, let's just praise the Lord, and remind one another of who he is, that it fixes our gaze and attention back on him. So, I want you now, you can do that. We had you do this aloud last week because there's something powerful about speaking out and, and your faith comes through hearing the word. But sometimes it's just powerful to do it silently too. Someone invites you, if you want to do it silently, you can. If you want to do it out loud, you can. Give praise to the Lord, not just for what he showed you about who he is, but what your neighbor, your friend just told you about who he is too. I want you to stop and give praise to the Lord for that right now. Out loud or on your own, quietly, either way. Go for it. There's so much to praise you for. God, I ask that you would give me what to say about verse 6 and that my words would not take the attention and the focus off of you, Jesus, and put it on anything else or anyone else but you. Holy Spirit, would you give me what to say and what not to say, God, that you would remove those things from my mind.
Amen. All right, let's, let's look at verse 6. I simply want to share with you um, a few things the Lord was speaking to me this morning about Psalm 138, verse 6. I'm going to read it. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty, fancy word for proud, he knows from afar. For the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty, he knows from afar. One more time. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Figure if I just keep reading it over and over, I don't have to actually say anything about it this morning. But... One more time. One more time. <laughs> Thank you, Brother John. Right? Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is we're talking about intimacy with the Lord and um, just being reminded of that and cultivating that, this deep relationship with the Lord. Like, that's what we were created for. God created us to be in deep, intimate relationship with Him. And when we uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus takes care of the punishment for our sin, for not going to hell, amen, hallelujah. But what Jesus does is He restores the intimacy back with the Father that was intended from the very beginning. That the promise and the good news of the gospel isn't simply just eternal life. It is that we get to be in intimate relationship with God both now and into eternity. And, and that is incredible news. But how often we make this life and even the life to come ultimately about ourselves. And in this, I think is a real key thing as we begin to think about and look at intimacy. I think one of the primary things that prevents us and gets in our way with intimacy with God is pride. Think about it. How often does... I'm going to describe pride as this way. Pride is not... or er, uh, Humility is not, as C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It is thinking of ourselves less. I think overt pride is really easy to spot. Um, I'm really good at spotting pride because I'm one of the most prideful people I know. That's my, one of my biggest struggles. And, and so I, I, I beat myself up often about pride. And my temptation is to be like, oh, I'm so horrible. I'm so rotten. I'm so, oh, God, I'm, just, I'm bad at this and this and this and this. But what ends up happening in that is it begins to turn into false humility because the focus is myself and not the Lord. True humility puts our attention and our gaze and our focus upon the Lord and not on ourselves. So I think... Uh, Arrogance plays out in two ways, where we're like, you know what, I'm pretty awesome. I don't really need the Lord for this. Or, in West Michigan, it's a little bit more passive, where we put our focus on ourselves and be like, oh, I'm so rotten, I'm so terrible. But we forget that the purpose is not on ourselves, but on the Lord. Now, get this. It is true that we are weak. It is true that there is nothing good in us apart from Christ. It is true but that revelation does not come by focusing on ourselves, by our junk, by our hurts, by our pains. What that revelation comes from is through the revelation of the glory and the supremacy and the splendor of Jesus Christ. When our eyes are fixed upon his goodness and his power and his strength, in light of that, it's like, oh, I am weak. 
I am dependent. There is nothing good in me apart from Jesus Christ. But what it does is, is it not, it's not simply looking at myself less. It, it's, it's two parts, right? I, I think of um, John. I think it's like early on in John. John the Baptist, he says this, I must become, I'm, I must decrease, he must increase. Humility is not simply you decreasing. Humility is him increasing and you decreasing. Here's how I think it plays out practically in regards to intimacy. How often, I mean, I think we get this, like God saves us by grace alone. It's not by our works. It's not by merit. It's not by our effort. And so we come to him saying, God, I can't do this on my own for salvation. It's all yours. But isn't it amazing how quickly we forget that not just the initial step into salvation is based on his grace, but the ability to walk in holiness and forgiveness and Christ-likeness is also based on his grace and his power. So what ends up happening is, all right, some of you probably did some dumb stuff last night. You don't have to raise your hand. Don't worry, right? <laughs> or this past week. You did something that was, you know, is wrong. The Lord opened your eyes to it and convicted you of it. And here's the tendency if we begin to fixate on ourselves rather than on the Lord. Is we go, oh man, I was so dumb. Oh, I lied. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I cheated. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I looked at porn. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I got wasted. God, I'm so sorry. I stabbed that person in the back. God, I'm so sorry. I, I put on a false front. God, I'm so sorry. I mean, whatever those types of things may be. But then what we do is we go one of two ways. Is we begin to look at ourselves and see how disqualified we are and we run away from the Lord rather than running to him. Or what happens is we think we need to do all this work to prove to the Lord how sorry we are. So it's like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Uh, now I'm going to go love my wife better today. I'm going to be an incredible dad. I'm going to go serve you by sharing the gospel with 37 people today. Just so you know. Just so you know how sorry I am for my sin. But in that what we've done is we've looked at ourselves and think it's our work that gives us the forgiveness that we have to earn or pay the Lord back for, rather than simply saying, oh God, I am wrong and for what I've done, God, it is sinful for what I've done, but I praise you that I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and he alone is the one that washes me clean. That the work of forgiveness is complete. I simply need to turn away and receive it. And that is instantaneous. Sometimes we're afraid to walk into the presence of the Lord. And we have to give ourselves. We think, i got to give myself a week or so many days to earn my way back into the presence of the Lord. You do not earn your way into the presence of the Lord. It has been earned for you by the blood and the righteousness of Christ and Christ alone. Some of you are just, I can't be in the presence of God. It's not for me. I haven't earned it. I can't do it. Stop it. You are so busy trying to earn and do what Christ has already done for you. That, I think, is pride. Humility says, oh, yes, Jesus, I am inadequate, but oh, you are so adequate. Let's, let's just sit there for a minute. I just want to pray on that.
God, would you give revelation of what Jesus has already done for those who have put their life in Jesus Christ? God, I pray for revelation for my brothers and sisters of your power, of your goodness, of your greatness, of your splendor, of your awe, of your wonder, and your majesty. Because God, we know that when we have revelation of who you are, our striving ceases. God, for my brothers and sisters that are just striving and striving and striving and striving, oh God, that they would cease from their striving and they would recognize that their sanctification, their holiness, their righteousness, their joy, their wisdom is all found in you, Jesus. God, we thank you that the gift of your presence is not based on our work and merit, but but on Christ. Amen. For some of you, though, you are um, continuing to walk away from the Lord in blatant and unrepentant sin because your eyes are on yourself and you're comparing yourself to one another, and in light of one another, you think you're doing pretty awesome. But we fix our gaze upon the Lord, we recognize that he is the standard by which we follow, but he's also the grace by which we give. Sometimes I think our arrogance plays out where we start thinking our gifts are pretty stinking awesome. Some of you, I, uh, all of you in different ways, are incredibly gifted people. But if we're not careful, we begin to think that those are things, look at how awesome I'm doing, look at these things, and we forget that the power to walk in what God calls us to do is based on his grace alone. It's wild, man. I, like, physically, I, like, cannot go on from this point. Isn't it wild that the Lord just wrecks your plans? <laughs> I'm not going to walk in disobedience, though. I think I thought, hey, we would just spend a couple weeks talking about intimacy and focusing on the Lord, and then we'd go on to, like, doing more stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Um... I think because we've, we've conditioned, uh, we've been conditioned to do, 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 do. Yeah. Right? Even now it's fall. It's like, all right, cool, school's starting. Like, what are we going to do as a church? What are we going to do? How can I get all these things and do all this stuff? And, like, my temptation is to be like, yeah, we're going to do this training. We've got this training. We're going to equip you how to do this and make disciples and do house church, all that stuff, right? And um, the Lord's like, no, no, not now. That the Lord is resetting us to learn how to be and minister to the Lord. Like, 
I think a lot of us understand the idea that there's the priesthood of all believers where, um, yeah, we're priests, we all get to do that. And we love that aspect of getting to do all the work. And in the priesthood, in the Old Testament, there was the outer court where they get to like do sacrifices and all this offering stuff. It was a really public thing. But then once a year, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt and got to stand where no one else is around. In, in the midst where no one, in the cur- behind the curtain, in the darkness, gets to stand and minister to the Lord alone. And, and here's what I think happens is when we begin to focus on ourselves, we like to be busy and minister like oh, I'm doing the sweet thing look at this I'm doing all these amazing things but we forget that the beauty of being a priest in the family of God isn't simply that we get to minister to people but that we get to stand face to face in front of God himself and worship the one true God and I believe the Lord is putting us in a season of not allowing us to do a lot of stuff. There's a few things the Lord's throwing, allowing us to do, but even that, it's focused on who the Lord is and learning to minister to the Lord. And I'm with you. It's going to drive me crazy because it's not going to feel like we're doing anything. But the Lord is leading us to first say, do we know how to first minister to the Lord? Listen, this is what our kids are doing downstairs. Did you know our kids last week went through Psalm 100 just like we do, and right now we're going through Psalm 138 just like we are? They're learning to hear the voice of the Lord and to minister to him. There will be a time, I'm convinced, that the Lord will release us to train you and equip you and do different things to, to, to advance the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we've always, from day one, wanted to be a people that don't just do what's right or what church culture says or what we feel like doing, but to do what the Lord says to do, when he says to do it, and how he says to do it. And here's the beauty of this season, whether it's two months or two, two years, um, <laughs> like it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird because we're all detoxing from this pro- productivity and yeah. this obligation I got to do, do, do to please the Lord rather than understanding, oh, God is pleased with me because he's forgiven me and I'm his child and I get to, I get to live freely out of that position rather than trying to earn something from the Lord. Like, we get to encourage and spur one another on. And so that's why I believe for this next season, the Lord is causing us to fix our gaze upon him and refocus our life and our purpose around Jesus and him alone. So if you have questions about what that looks like, just ask. The answer I'll tell you is, I have no idea. What would Moran Park be without John DeHaan? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think of that. You know? But our goal is not to just keep you busy or plugged into programs. Our goal is to train you to be self-feeding, that you would live a life of intimacy with the Lord, listening to his voice and doing what he says. And I can't wait to see how the Lord's going to do it. So let's pray. God, this is, it just feels like such a vulnerable position that we're all like, all right, this is new, new ground for all of us because we know how to be busy. We know how to like, do stuff. We know how to do a lot of programs. We're, we could be really good at those things. And, but God, um, we don't know this new territory of just being with you, learning to minister to you, learning to hear your voice. Um, so God, we trust you that you'll teach us. And I praise you as it says in your word that your spirit is our teacher. And we know that your spirit will teach us. 
I pray, God, that you would continue to cause our gaze to be fixed upon you. That as we do it, that's where true humility comes for us this week, Lord. That our gaze would be fixed upon you. That you would open our eyes to your awe, your wonder, and your splendor, your character. I pray for my brothers and sisters as they're in Psalm 145 this week, God, that you would open their eyes to more of you, that you would give them insight and revelation to Jesus, God, that our hearts would be captured by you and be led into worship of you. God, you're so generous with us. So we thank you for being the leader of this journey. We thank you for being the leader of this, uh, (laughs) this battleship that you've called us to be a part of. We thank you that you alone are the captain of this battleship that you will lead us, that you will guide us. We pray this all in Jesus' glorious and holy name. Amen.